0: A mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. In each episode, I have a guest sharing their story of how they got started in cybersecurity and sharing their uh, tips and tricks on how to get started so this episode i'm very happy to present my friend melina phillips she was a, a member of my pwn school meetings that i used to host in den she's part of our local community it's really been great to watch her progress because she's spoke at conferences she's given a lot of great information on linkedin and just realized that she'd be a really good guest since the focus of the show is helping people get started in cybersecurity. so welcome to the show
2: Thank you. Thank you. Phil. Can, can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. just
1: I, you. I can hear you fine coming in loud and clear. So uh, um, why don't you introduce your, yourself and kind of share about how you guys started?
2: Oh, awesome. I, um, first, I wanted to say thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you and kind of um, share a little bit of my story. I realized I haven't had the opportunity to talk to you and in a couple months. months, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Um, so, um, well, just to kind of give y'all a little bit more about my background, um, I have a bachelor's degree in computer systems engineering and I currently work as a senior security engineer for an organization that provides support to a couple of universities. Um, I've been in the IT industry for nine years and in security operations since 2017. So yes, it's it's definitely been an interesting road for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: good. I think you've, you've made a lot of great progress and it's kind of interesting to, you know, good to have people on a show that maybe someone is in IT now and they're wanting to move into cybersecurity. And, you know, it's a valuable experience. You know, some cases people get into cybersecurity without a degree in, in cybersecurity. And a lot of times it's usually kind of like through a path like, IT or other areas of technology. So, uh, very cool. So, how did you, education-wise, what did you do to start your IT career before you got into security?
2: Well, I I do have a a bachelor's degree in computer systems engineering. And, you know, the interesting part, and it's something that I've seen happening before, and I guess it could have its good and bad sides. Um, I was in... I was doing service desk work for four years, probably. And a lot of people just go, like, okay, service desk, no. But I felt like it was a great experience because it just helped me really have a good understanding of the IT aspect of an organization in general. Like security, it's not just sitting there and reading logs, we're talking about, you know, like physical assets, networks, virtualization, um, just, you know, like end users in particular. So I feel like it was a really good experience. Um, I don't think I've ever been able to identify the exact moment when I decided to do something in cybersecurity. But after being in the service desk for, you know, like certain amount of time, I was ready to take my career to the next level. And this is a type of industry that keeps you on your toes and requires you to be constantly learning. It keeps your mind engaged. And I love being the person who doesn't necessarily save the day, but gets to solve the puzzle. So I was at that point where I was like, what can I do next? And I was exploring, I was online browsing, exploring potential career options. And, um I figure cyber security would be an excellent choice just doing a little bit more digging I SSCP which is system you know like security certified practitioner was my first certification to take and I really enjoyed it
1: very cool yeah so it's uh so it's interesting I, I you know I've kind of followed you over the past several years since we first met and just kind of seeing a lot of the the education you do and and some of the the things that you've shared on LinkedIn have been pretty good because I know uh, that one of the things that you've really put a lot of effort in education-wise is kind of the red team side or or pen testing side of things.
2: Yes, that's, that's definitely me and I do get I did get mixed comments and, you know, like whenever I'm working a certification or posting something about, okay, you're in security operations, what's with the red teaming or what's with the pen testing? And I, I actually re- recall one instance um, regarding a recent certification I got and I was sharing I get a message from a friend and he's like we're doing this again another pen testing certification <laughs> so yes yes i my focus is security operations but i've spent quite some time just trying to learn pen testing to be a better security operations professional um i've always thought if you want to be able to learn how to defend an organization you got to think as an attacker as cheesy as it sounds, it's true.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is true, and I agree 100% because, you know, while teaching the course at uh, Dallas College, I would tell people that if you're wanting, you know, learning the offensive side is good for to be a defender. You're going to understand malicious traffic. You're going to understand, you know, how risky certain types of uh, security configurations or vulnerabilities really can be when you really understand they can be exploited. So, don't ever let anyone think that you're not doing the right thing. The smart people learn both. I mean, you'll hear, uh, you know, people in the industry that will say, you know, if you wanna be a, a better blue teamer, learn the red team side. So definitely what you're doing is good. And I think it's a good lesson for people to pay attention is if you just wanna be one dimensional and just learn the defensive side, you're not gonna be the best you can if you're not trying to learn the other side of things. And another, I think another point to really strengthen that argument is look at the MITRE ATT&CK framework. This is a way for blue teamers to use information on how threat actors work to build protect the organization.
2: Absolutely, and um, thinking also on the fact that a lot of attackers don't necessarily look at potential exploits or take something that is very crafted, but rather than that they exploit misconfigurations or, you know, like existing features that an operating system has, and that's something to take in consideration. And, uh, yeah, like like I said, this is a kind of industry that requires you to be continuous learning. Um, I believe I mentioned this before. I really hate the word expert, and uh, I try to avoid it. Um, I'm always going to see myself as a uh, as a student of cybersecurity, So just constantly learning, that's for sure.
1: That's, that's a good attitude and good way to be constantly learning because once, once people quit learning, they just kind of don't do as well in the industry. I, you know, I've heard of some people and I try to encourage people getting in to, to spend time learning and not only learn during work hours, because sometimes if you want to advance to get to that next role, it may require some study outside of work, but there are some people that can do it. But, you know, if you really wanna be good, you have to constantly be learning. And so I think that you're a good example of that.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely a rinse and repeat process for sure.
1: Yeah. So out of some of the the offensive security type of content, the red team training, what are some of the courses or certification courses that you've taken?
2: So I've I've done virtual hacking labs, which is um, it 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 is a lot of fun. Um, when I started working on it, it didn't cover Active Directory, which is something that I noticed the industry was lacking. Um, there was a lot of focus on web application testing, which is very very important to know and very important to learn. But if you think about it, 90% of the companies, at least in the U.S., use Active Directory. So I believe that is important to learn at least the basics or common Windows features that could be exploited and abused. So Virtual um, Hacking Labs, another, another one that I recently took is um, BNPT, Um, so by Heath Adams, that's, that's a great certification to have. It was, it was an interesting experience because I don't want to start getting really mouthy, but there, there is a common vendor that is very popular and people see it as the holy grail of pen testing certifications. I believe, you know, which one I'm talking about. And, um, I, I believe it's a good idea to explore additional options. So. Yeah, just yeah. I recently got that one, and um, I believe it was a. They give you five days to work on it. I was able to successfully complete that in four. I think it was three and a half days, and um, I was exhausted. I was just ready to get some rest. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: that's good, and it's interesting that that certification has been gaining a lot more traction. Just one prime example of someone that I saw listing that on their, uh, some of the certifications for one of their pen testing roles was tenable The people that make the Nessus vulnerability scanner.
2: Yes. And I, and the, you know, like it's, it's gaining a little bit more recognition and I I'm really fascinated because it explores and it covers topics that not a lot of vendors do, and it's a little bit more affordable. And honestly, their their support seems to be pretty good. And you know like it's a great learning experience, regardless of which area you want to take, you, even if you want to be in security operations. Um, a friend of mine who is working on it was able to identify one misconfiguration at his job just by taking that course. and he brought it up to his boss. and you know like it was really a good experience for him. Well for everybody who takes it for the most part.
1: Yeah, it's good content. I've actually gifted people that were wanting to get started in pen testing. I've given away some of some of his courses, like some of the individual courses, but they're really really uh, well priced. I mean, it's it's nice that it's affordable to most people because, you know, the company you're mentioned before, it's not the most expensive, but sometimes it's not affordable for someone that's just trying to get into the industry. And then you go to courses that are like double that vendor's price, double or triple. So yeah, it's definitely good. And it's kind of nice that you get more realistic view of what a pen test is like, because one of the things, if you go one of the other routes, one of the things I know it would kind of, and this is interesting because I've known people that have went through that certification exam, whether they just went through the exam or passed it and got a job pen testing, they were saying, this is nothing like that. And And that's the thing. Sometimes when you're doing a pen test, you don't always manage to hack into things and you're documenting vulnerabilities. So that's where I can see some of the confusion with certifications like that, that you have to be able to hack a certain number of systems to pass the certification.
2: Absolutely. And um, the fact that it remained, I don't want to say that it wasn't up to date, but it, well, technically wasn't updated for a certain amount of time. I once met somebody who got the certification. He was not familiar with basic concepts like how LMNR poisoning works or how to perform an SMB relay or just basic attacks that are, or stuff that is attempted during a pen test or herba roasting you know, like stuff like that. He was really not familiar due to the fact that he took the old content. But um, I mean, certifications are great. And this is something that I've mentioned before. Um, There's a lot of them that you can add to your resume from, you know, like various subjects from introduction to security, cloud security operations. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always important to stay up to date.
1: And you're really good with your, your LinkedIn profile. You do a, a great job of maintaining it. Is there any recommendations you'd have for someone to be able to display, uh, some of the things they're learning to be able to display it on LinkedIn? So potential employers could see that.
2: Well, it's, it's always important to share what you're learning. And, um, I, this is, this is something that, you know, like it's a personal experience. It really, it's close to home, um. A question that always comes up for beginners, you know, like from all beginners, from the very, very first getting started to more seasoned professionals who are looking to take their career to the next level is what certification should I do next? Um, And it can be a tricky concept to grasp because we tend to overanalyze situations and look at our career with tunnel vision. Um, I've done it myself, just keep stubs. Keep, keep things a little bit more simple. Um, a good way to do is, you know, LinkedIn has that option to share your, you know, like your career path, share your certifications that you've recently taken or um, whenever you were, work, you're working on something linked, what is it called LinkedIn learning? That is definitely a great option. Um, and just like, share something new, like, I've always like I said before, I've always hated the word expert and there's always gonna be somebody that can learn from you. Just like there's always gonna be someone you can learn from. That's something that I've seen through the years and that's fascinating.
1: And the interesting thing about that too is is a lot of times people that are new don't feel like they have anything to share. And I've learned a lot of things from students or people just get beginning and for people that have been around for a while and and think you can't learn from someone new, when you're starting your journey, you're starting this from scratch. You're going out looking at the latest and greatest learning uh, materials and different things out there. And you're picking up things that someone has did this years ago might have missed. So people can learn from anyone no matter what level they've been at. And I like the the your idea about experts. So it seems like sometimes if you, if you put that kind of brand on yourself or that name. say you're an expert, you put a lot more pressure on yourself, it seems like.
2: Absolutely. And you also open, open the door to get um, singled out or get called out, you know, like, hey, you're an expert. And, you know, like you draw a little bit more attention, I, I guess. And um, just going back a little bit more about certifications, but When a person's career is getting started, certifications tend to be a lot more relevant, right? Um, You know, like, we, we tend to fall in that mentality of, hey, the more, the merrier, the more certifications I can, you know, like, get, you know, like, the better. And if you're applying for a job, in some cases, they might set you apart from other people applying. And typically all the certifications matter. But as your career grows, certifications tend to be less important. And as you get more experience, you're able to take on more responsibilities. It really doesn't matter if you get security plus and you've been in the industry for 35 years. So um, I remember one particular time. This was years ago, and this was for a security operations role where OSCP was required. (laughs) And um, you know like just kind of talking a little bit with the people interviewing me they needed someone with a good understanding of active directory and they clarified that pen testing would be outsourced you're not going to be pen testing we're going to be bringing somebody else to do that we just need you to have the certification because we feel that's what's needed so it's it's a sad reality you're going to be seeing a lot of people just saying that they're a requirement, but, um, you know, like, as I mentioned before, when you're getting started, it's extremely recommended to get one or get some, um, you know, like as your career grows and you're a little bit more experienced in the industry, they become less relevant for sure.
1: Yeah, that's true. Cause I've seen, I I know some people out there, that are pen testers that are really good, but they don't have Certifications. I mean, before we started the call, I was just mentioning Darren, that, uh, is a friend of mine, that was that was a, a one of the co-hosts and attended Pwn School and the Denton Denton meetups, and he's been working on certifications. But he's a really good pen tester. You look at Tinker; he was one of the co-hosts from Dallas Hackers Association. Really good hacker and pen tester. Zero certifications. But like you said getting started sometimes you need that to kind of get your foot in the door. But once you kind of build that experience up.
2: And, and one thing worth mentioning, a lot of people who are also in the pen testing or red teaming industry come from a different background. For example, I know somebody who has a degree in chemistry biology and, um, it's just like, no, I, I never got an IT degree. And, um, Yes, it's it's just I, I wouldn't really say that getting a degree is something you should do. But it definitely comes in handy. And I, I think it's really interesting how a lot of people come from different backgrounds and different experiences. And there isn't a cookie cutter, type of path that you should follow in order to be successful.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And I like that you mentioned degrees, you know because it's interesting because some people think they're required some people think they're a waste of time and honestly in my opinion it's not you know careers are just kind of it's different from everyone like you said just like the past not cookie cutter we're not all the same you know and everyone has different ways of getting into the industry and things that work for them it doesn't always work the same but one of the things i think is if you don't have a good idea of what it takes to get into IT or what it takes to get into security, because you know if you're new, that's understandable. That you don't understand that sometimes you need a little more structured learning, and I think you know education past like degrees can be helpful.
2: Absolutely, and one thing that I've seen happening in the past, um, just um, a couple of people met messaging me, and they ask me, "Hey, how can I get into cybersecurity?" without, without trying to be mean or come across the wrong way. I, I would say something among the lines of, so, so let me ask your let me answer your question with another question. What would you like to do? So in being in cybersecurity, security, you have so many options from, um, you know, like cloud to security operations to even pen testing. Everybody wants to be a pen tester these days. Um, Risk and compliance, you know, like regardless which area you want to go to, it's always important to have a good foundation for sure.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. She mentioned everyone wants to be a pen tester. It's one of the things (laughs) I would like to see people learn. There's a lot of other cool stuff out there, you know, incident response, threat hunting, threat intelligence. A lot of those areas are, are pretty interesting. It's just I think a lot of cases it just sounds neat to be a hacker. But, you know, a lot of those other skills are you know, very valuable and very interesting. I think if more people looked at some of the other roles, I think we'd see more people looking at different roles besides pen testing.
2: And and it is true because one thing that a lot of people don't mention, and you know, like I I thought about it recently, as you spend more time in this industry, you're, you know, like the stuff that you enjoy could change. For example, going back to what I was mentioning, I, uh, my friend that has a degree in biology, we we joke around a little bit because he got his OSEP and he used to be a pen tester and he goes like, I no longer do that. I never got my OSEP. That never happened. <laughs> he's, he's currently doing security operations and he's enjoying it a lot more. So, you know, like the, your interests might change, like the stuff that you enjoy might change, and your career might not always stay the same. So, you have to be open to new experiences for sure.
1: That's true. And, you know, one of the things about IT or security, what you learn and run one role, it's not like you're going to start over again. If you're working in a security operations center, if you want to be a pen tester, that's a good natural path because you've been monitoring. Uh, malicious activity and so you've kind of got some ideas and so it's like you know it's just like taking a, a college class you may take this one course maybe you're not using it that much but it may help you down the road and same thing with experience it's not like you have to start all over again
2: absolutely plus it, it keeps things interesting um, you know like it's, it's a new experience to share and it's something like if you ever decide to mentor somebody you know like it's different when somebody else is able to experience that. And, you know, like as you grow older, you know, like you share stories. And um, One one thing that I've seen before, um, on LinkedIn is people saying, Hey, this is what you need to do to be in the industry. You need to get a mentor. You cannot, you're not going to be able to make it without a mentor. Um, it happened to me when I started, I didn't follow any of the most common steps that are talked about. I didn't have a mentor. Um, I didn't join any groups. I wasn't part of any associations. Um, I was just kind of doing things on my own without a lot of guidance. I'm not saying that's what everybody else should follow or should do, but What I'm basically just trying to say is nobody's path is going to look the same and there isn't such thing as a right or wrong wrong way of doing things. So not everything is set in stone and not everything is cookie cutter type of deal.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, if it was, it would be such a boring world if it wasn't that way, but it's good. (laughs) And and that's good to be able to learn like you did self-taught because otherwise trying to find the classes, you know, maybe this certain course that you need for cybersecurity is too expensive or something. So when you can do self-learning and figure it out on your own, you're going to go a lot further.
2: Absolutely. And the fact there is affordable training out there, I mean, I'm not said on one particular vendor, but we have a lot of learning platforms these days. There's a, um, you know, like try hack me or hack the box or You know like tcm security or capture the talent that's that's another one that's coming up and you know like it's it's have a lot of um interesting guests and it's basically new but i can see good things happening for them um so even youtube or you know like linkedin there's there's always gonna be basically new platforms or you know like good opportunities to learn for sure. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's good. And it's good to have different options because, you know, one of the things you see too is whenever new people come along, new training sources come along, then it causes others to improve. I mean, a prime example is some of the other uh, courses, not mentioning anything or including Active Directory, but then someone else offers it, then they realize they need to do it. So they don't fall behind. So it's good that there's competition in different ways of thinking in the industry.
2: Absolutely, competition is not always something bad. You know, like it just it kind of keeps you on your toes, and you learn a lot about yourself. And you know, like you just try to improve. So it it is great. It's you know, like the, the you know, like the best way to compete. You should always be competing against yourself and you know, like have that interest in, you know, like self improvement, but absolutely, it's it's always good to have some competition out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's even made products better, even like wasp zap has helped make Burp Suite better because like in in OWASP and Burp Suite, there used to not be the little add-on section where you were able to go into the store and select whatever and install it for you. You used to have to upload everything and install manually and zap had their store were able to go in and select what add-ons you want to add and add it on without all this actual manual intervention and so they kind of learn so competition is good for education and everything else too
2: speaking of burp i was a little bit heartbroken I i like how i'm suddenly changing the subject but i was a little bit heartbroken when they stopped the spider mode on their community version because I felt like it was a good, I don't want to say addition, but a good option if you wanted to start enumerating sub- subdirectories. But that option is kind of gone. I believe it disappeared in 2019. So you just so, kind of have to explore other options and, you know, like do a dirt buster or go yep. buster and all that stuff. So.
1: And Zap, actually, because it's kind of funny, the dirt buster functionality was actually ported over to Zap it used to be like Derbuster, you know there was the, the gui version i think it ran on java that you're able to run that standalone tool instead of having to use the command line version derby and so if i understand they took that because i believe it was an OWASP project and they moved that over to to zap so zap is good for that so it's one of the the things i kind of think if more if there was more training on zap from an offensive perspective i think more people would switch to it because it seems like most people that are using zap are are basically people that are in appsec and not as much of uh pen testers i believe
2: do, do you personally use zap a lot more than burp or
1: i've used both and kind of where i would the way i would use it is i used to because with the the pro version of burp suite you know, you can do vulnerability scanning. And I used to run vulnerability scans with, with OWASP zap just to see if it found something different because sometimes different vulnerability scanners will find different things. So I've used it for that. It honestly, the reason I stuck with burp suite was because it was an industry standard. My first consulting job, uh, I worked in one group that we were doing network and web app pen tests. And I moved over to this other group that's doing purely, uh, application pen testing and i didn't have a burp suite license when i first went over so i was having to use owasp zap at first it was so much easier to learn how to use but i asked for a burp suite license to help with my skills because i know it's like an industry standard for for web app pen testers so i didn't really i wanted to my skills weren't that great at that time but i was trying to improve those and so that's kind of the reason i continued with it but zap works pretty well
2: yeah and it definitely comes in handy i mean the I believe the license is like 450 bucks a year or something. It's a little bit, it's an investment, but it's definitely worth it. Um, I remember when I was first getting started, just kind of going back to certifications, and um, I was doing EJBT, which is Learn Security Junior Pen Testing. Um, It was such a confusing application. I mean, it still is, but back in the day, it was a lot more. And it's not very intuitive. You just kind of have to be poking around and just trying to play guessing games a little bit if you don't really know what you're doing. But once you get the hang of it, it it's definitely really useful.
1: Yeah, that was probably, I would say, getting started out. That was probably one of the most difficult tools for me to learn how to use. And it's interesting how it's evolved because another thing they kind of got the idea from Zap is how, uh, you know, before with Burp Suite, you would have to start in a browser and now you can actually launch browsers from within burp suite and they make it a little bit easier to proxy things. That was the, the thing at first to get used to. So you'd connect and you'd be proxying. There's no, the page is not refreshing. So you had to remember to go disable the capture. So it would, you know, or either select the button to continue loading pages for it to completely render and stuff. So it's just getting past that. And, and that was kind of difficult to learn.
2: And it is a fun experience when you're getting started and you're trying to you're on intercept mode and you just kind of live it on and you configure your browser to for Burp to be capturing traffic, then you realize you're not able to load any of the pages you want to work with and you spend 30 minutes trying to troubleshoot your internet just to realize your browser was configured for <laughs> that <laughs> that's a That's a mistake that I've made in the past and it's a lot. <laughs> it's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you were to do things over again, would you do anything different with your education journey for security?
2: Um, you know, I, I've, I've seen that question. I've seen people, um, Commonly saying I, I guess the right thing to do is say I uh, I'm really happy with the decisions that i made um, in my case I would tell myself not to overstress about certifications um, I used to think a particular certification was the holy grail of Pen testing or the holy grail of you know, like information security um, I guess I would Not, I guess I would not make that certification as important as I thought it was. Um, I wouldn't have spent that much time stressing about it. So, I mean, continue learning, but don't let a piece of paper define you as a professional or as an individual, for sure.
1: That's some good advice. And I think it's one thing everyone needs to do is be patient with their self when they're learning. You know don't pressure yourself it seems like when you pressure yourself it's a lot more difficult to learn
2: Uh, absolutely and um you know like continue learning but don't let you know like a particular vendor or a particular community dictate how your career is going to go i mean that's completely up to you as an individual and yeah i mean it's a mistake that i've made and it's something that i've seen with younger professionals
1: yeah, it's easy to do because, I mean, sometimes the the, co- the comments people make on social media sometimes can be, be discouraging, and sometimes it's just because people are haters. They're jealous of you succeeding. They haven't done it, and it's not always a matter that they can't do it. They're just not putting in the time and effort like you are.
2: Um, and another thing I've seen is um, learn to take breaks. Um I mean, um, I've seen it with other professionals. They get a certification or they complete their degree or they're working on something. Um, I remember this girl was, she had just worked on her degree. She had just completed it and she posted about it. Um, I wasn't connected on LinkedIn with her. I just saw her feed. She was over the moon and I was really, really happy for her. Somebody posted a comment saying hey, what's next and she responded I'm going to take a break just a little break and you know, like just get back to it, you know, like a couple months Somebody just responding and saying hey, you just gotta keep going but uh, burnout is real it happens and you know like you just you gotta be kind to yourself (laughs) and you know like learn to take breaks and You know like it, it can be a tough industry for sure
1: that's very true. And, and so easy to get burned out if you're not careful.
2: Yeah, so absolutely. I completely agree.
1: <laughs> so we're down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share or mention before we close out the episode?
2: Um, a couple of things, uh, I guess advice to younger generations. Um, like I said before, continue learning. This is a rinse and repeat process. Um. You know, like be kind to yourself. Continue learning. Don't let a certification define you. And um, piece of advice for the older dogs out there: <laughs> uh, be the change that you want to see in the industry. For example, if you see newer people, they're giving inaccurate information. Um, adopt a professional. Like mentor somebody, um, coach in private, but praise in public. So. That's something that I've seen in the past. And yeah, I mean, we're all here to learn and let's make things easier on each other.
1: I like that. That's some, that's some great advice. Well, I appreciate you taking time to, to join the show and it was great catching up. It's been a while, as you mentioned, since we last spoke. Thanks for joining.
2: Thank you so much for having me. And um, I look forward to seeing you hopefully at B-Sides next Yeah,
1: month. same here. Yeah, I'll see you there.
2: Thank you. Thanks. Thank thanks,
1: you thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you on the next episode.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels.